Welcome back to AQ's Blog and Grill, where we dish up fast food for thought on branding and entrepreneurship. Before we get started, don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening. And after the show, leave us a comment with your thoughts on today's episode. Now here's your host, Alan Corey. The following is an excerpt from an interview that was recorded as a Facebook Live on March 26, 2020. So if you hear any pauses or responses to comments that seem to come out of nowhere, that's why. Also, if there's mention of certain things being made available during the episode, those are all listed in the show notes for you. Enjoy. We're broadcasting live today from AQ's Blog and Grill. This is kind of new and exciting for us. And talking about new and exciting, let's talk about, let's emphasize the exciting part. We have a guest here, Jennifer Moss. And Jennifer and I have known each other for a while. Jennifer is an expert on happiness and um, how do we create happiness and, and how do we give ourselves permission to be happy, whether it's in the workplace or other places. And she's written a, a great book um, that came out, I'm going to say three years ago, Jennifer. Yeah, I guess maybe four now. Wow. Okay. What was the title of that book? Unlocking Happiness at Work. There you go. She also is a um, a writer, a columnist for the uh, Harvard Business Review. She's a top-ranked speaker. She travels, or used to, uh, temporarily at home. Uh, used to do a lot of conference work. And she appears, I believe it's every Wednesday on CBC in the morning to talk about happiness. Is, is that pretty accurate, Jennifer? Yep, you got it in a nutshell. That's fantastic. And Jennifer is a mother of three. And all three of those children are at home right now, aren't they? They are at home. I've sent them outside uh, to play so that they can be quiet. <laughs> and, and my husband's on duty. Oh, Jim. Yeah. Now there's another element mm -hmm. of, <laughs> of challenge you when you're when you're kind of quarantined. Or... <laughs> yes. Okay, so everybody's kind of wondering um, how are we gonna how are we gonna how, how are we gonna best handle the situation we find ourselves in. Um, there's maybe a lot of doubt, uncertainty. Um, any, what are you doing, Jennifer? And what do you suggest that people do uh, that are, are quarantined or physically separate or whatever, uh, with or without children? What, what sort of things are you thinking about? Well, the, the article that I wrote for HBR actually precipitated the book Unlocking Happiness at Work. And it was titled Happiness is Not the Absence of Negative Emotions. And uh -huh. I think a lot of people resonated with that because we feel everything in times of stress and the the goal really around trying to find happiness is all about rebounding and resiliency and sometimes like right now i feel like we're rebounding every you know 10 minutes or so i mean mm. we get some news and then we have to reflect on that news digest it absorb it and then move on and so we're we're sort of getting inundated right now so i think part of it has to be that um there's not a high expectation of everyone to necessarily be thriving right now, but right. it's about us trying to figure out the ways to make the most of this situation as best as we can, forgive ourselves for the days that are really hard and sad, right. and then look at what serves us best. It doesn't serve us best to be panicking. We have every right to feel that way, but it doesn't serve us very well. 
So it's about trying to figure out, okay, how can I navigate, navigate through this with less guilt, with um, allowing myself to feel the feelings that I need to, and then realizing that what serves me is to move on and be healthy and happy. And so I wanted to say that sort of right at the front, because I think when we have these conversations about happiness, people immediately think, well, I feel upset and you're not validating how I'm feeling. So I just oh. want everyone to understand that you are going to feel a lot of things. Um, right. And some people are in different stages of grief. I should say that as well. I mean, yes. Yeah. I was reading a good article this morning on the fact that uh, and it, it was in the Harvard Business Review. The six stages of grief are very applicable right now to how we're feeling and it helps, it helps us understand how we're feeling. And I think a lot of people get upset because they don't understand. So there hasn't been a label to it. There hasn't been a recognition that this is maybe what's what's happening. I totally agree. I read that grief article and um, I really, uh, it was so resonant with me. Uh -huh. um, I had written an article a few, um, a few years ago about just handling grief in the workplace. And it's been bubbling back up in the last uh, month, obviously, because people are realizing that there's different types of grief. I mean, divorce, you feel grief, um, all the stages of grief. We sort of look at death as being the only time that we experience grief, but a loss of a job, which so many of us are going through right now, um, it's letting go of what our brain relied on to be normalcy, which is right. what we love, we love that stasis. So, so right now at the idea that we are feeling grief, it's absolutely, um, it's it's exactly what we are all feeling and so understanding and and having people that are listening in are watching you know understanding what those stages of grief are can make you feel really hopeful uh -huh. there is it's if grief isn't linear obviously you have lots of different ups and downs but you can kind of see okay this is where i'm at or i'm sort of following this trajectory yes um, and there are ways to solve for that grief feeling. Um, so then people will feel like there is a way to, to get over how they're feeling or their stress and anxiety that they're experiencing. Yeah. And, and maybe then it, it helps um, capsulize or put in some metrics into, yeah, I'm this stage in that sixth stage, or he's now got the seventh stage. But um, so it's okay. Because I think a lot of us just sort of sit around and talk to ourselves and the, and the voice that we're hearing inside our heads may not be helpful. Uh, so how do we train that voice? Well, you know, one of the things that, you know, which is interesting because right now it's essentially the world is grieving, which is an uh -huh. interesting thing. So the idea that we're all in this together is very helpful for those people that um, do yes. like, to feel that they're part of the greater good. Right now we're isolated and the thing with isolation when it causes depression and anxiety makes us feel really lonely and it makes us actually feel quite alone. So we have to force ourselves to stop feeling that way and understand that if we are all grieving together, if we are all in this together, that can be really helpful. So part of, you know, when we actually practice altruism, which is essentially social distancing and social isolation. We are being altruistic because we're making sacrifices, especially people that are healthy 
they are making sacrifices for the greater good. So if right. we can look at that as an altruistic behavior, that makes us feel good. There's so much chemistry that goes through our body when we do something for another person or we do something for the, the world. Um, actually, researchers have quantified it that it's um, if we do something good for another person, it lasts, the happiness lasts three and a half times longer than if we did something for ourselves. So when we we do that, we get the feedback, chemical feedback, you know, hormones, all the things that make us feel good when we're eating chocolate or, you know, kissing a loved one. Um, that happens when we're being altruistic. So the more that we can engage in those behaviors, the better it is for us, the more contagious it is because people see it modeled. And then we can feel less isolated. We feel more connected. Um, so yeah, it's the best way for people that have been grieving too, to get over their grief is to actually tackle the thing that created the grief in the first place. Okay. Um, that's why you see a lot of cancer survivors or people that have had people in their lives that have pass from cancer or disease you see them doing the walks you see them donating you see them connecting to the cause it's a way to get over the pain from the grief all right so the whole notion of altruism uh, can be done can be brought down to a you know very small level where we can get started just being kinder to, well, first of all, ourselves, because this is a lot about self-care, yes. but to do something for others is is really easy to do. Uh, it doesn't cost us anything. We can go online. We can thank them. Uh, my wife, Susan, is out there right now putting up a, a thank you sign for our garbage man. What? <laughs> yeah, because they're out there. They're out there working. And uh, I mean, that's a small thing. It's a handmade sign. I could have done a better job, frankly, but Susan's work is spot on. Okay. <laughs> um, so this is this is a collective. It's not just about us as individuals. How we act as individuals in a collective could be a way forward. So we talked about workplace happiness and home happiness is coming up, but they're kind of the same thing right now, aren't they? We're, we still have a lot of people that are out there that are considered essential workers. So there are, you know, yes. there are still a lot of people out there in the workforce. Um, and which I think is really great because, you know, we've not looked at these people as essential work, uh, as our essential workforce. And I think this is the best thing that has ever happened to paid, you know, hourly paid employees, our part-time workforce, um, obviously healthcare, you know, we've looked at them as, as heroes in the past, but they really are, behaving heroically now. So I do think that um, those frontline workers are gonna, hopefully we're gonna see um, us looking at them differently. Uh, and I mean, I'm not saying you and I, we obviously get that, but there are, you know, societally, we've we've looked at a central workforce differently. And so this is really good for us to go through, again, a silver line of um, this pandemic. But mm -hmm. I, I do think that we're also challenged with remote employees i mean for example my husband and i you know jim most of you you know watching will probably know jim off, but he's the smile ceo he um is doing the morning or the afternoon uh, schooling depending on what is needed right now i'm busy so he's managing the kids we have to change the way we work um, we have to, you know, he's set up shop in the basement. So when I'm doing my calls, he's not disturbing me. So he's in his dungeon down there, but he's happy. Um, we have, 
you know, we have to balance the fact that there are kids who have needs. So we have to create like needs in that they just are needy. They see mom and dad there, a six-year-old wants their, their mom to see all their artwork and see all the things that they've done all day. So we've had to create strategies like um, creating their own boards where they choose their schedule for the day and they self-manage. And we have a lot of tips and tricks. We have people and parents sending us all the different types of materials that we can use for physical education. Um, and I think that's been one of the, the best byproducts of all of this is uh -huh. um, how much we have found that social media and, you know, social media about three weeks ago for us was, you know, not my favorite thing. It was right. you know, sucking my child's brains into the abyss. And now I'm so grateful for it because um, parent groups, you know, our, my dance parents, because my kids are in dance, we're all connecting to each other. We're helping each other with tips and tricks. We're supporting each other. We're using social media to be able to um, to talk about our fears. Right now, right. we're using social media to give people advice and guidance. So I think the remote piece is tough, but it's also lended itself to um, figuring out new ways to communicate and, uh, and improve that communication, figuring out better ways of using it instead of looking right. as a time suck. Yeah. You've got three children, so they must have questions for you and Jim uh, on, you know, mom, dad, what's really going on here? What should we be, what should we be thinking? How should we be feeling? What, what, how do you respond to those kind of questions from your children? Well, we've had an interesting situation in that we, um, Wyatt and I, because he was playing Billy Elliot, um, he, we were in Halifax and we had moved out there. He and I, before the family was to arrive, so when we arrived, um, White started training, and um, and we were sort of feeling nervous, but just so optimistic that uh -huh. we were going to figure this whole COVID-19 thing out, and it would be fine. Jim and the kids and the girls arrived, and the next day, literally, they arrived at 11 o'clock at night, and the next morning by 10, we got the note that Billy was canceled. Um, postponed for now right. so, um, so the girls and Wyatt all three of them at once were in just like a huge reality check you know they were yeah. there to be in Halifax and a six-year-old trying to explain to them well you've arrived but we have to get home our flights may be canceled we have to get a car and drive back we probably can't even wait for our flight to return do we have um, access to, you know, a place to stay because they oh. don't, the contract didn't really plan for COVID. So it was like uh, they had to learn everything all in one moment. And right. there were a lot of tears. We were a little nervous. What we had to do was, well, first acknowledge. We just said, you know what? Spend the day, feel pain, cry if you need to. This is uh -huh. hard. This is really hard. And, you know, Lila felt so disappointed for her brother. Her heart was aching for him not being able to play out his dream. There was a lot of mixed feelings. But what happened was after a day or two, we said, well, let's make the best of being Halifax. Let's get in a car. Let's make an adventure out of it. Um, we have this thing where we count down three, two, one. We are freaking awesome. And whenever there is a moment where we're feeling really stressed out, one person or one of us will like rally 
and then we go, okay, and we reset. So that's really helpful if we can all do that. And it became very bonding, you know, when someone was feeling low, um, that was a big part of it. We, we would sing our cheer. And, uh, and that's really important is to say as a family, how do we create these bonding moments out of it? How do we look at it as um, this is an opportunity for us to spend more time together that we wouldn't have had otherwise, you know? Right. And it was also about turning off the news, um, making sure that there wasn't, at first there was, I have to say, we were tuned into the news and I was realizing that the kids were becoming extremely stressed out from that. So it was also, uh, you know, trying to just keep the news off, creating routine, getting back home was really uh, a priority, just getting into our home. So we felt like we were safe and we did find out that the flights were canceled. So we end afterwards so we were glad we hopped in that um in that car and drove but i think what it, it's done for us is realize that um this is a new normal and so what do we do with the new normal we, we embrace it we um we try to be freaking awesome and uh and we find ways we do our gratitudes every single night right now and right. what i've found was you know parents are trying to figure out for their kids is the gratitudes have shifted and what I think is so exciting about all of this, I mean, I know people don't want to hear exciting right now, but what I think could be so beneficial right now is it's been hard to teach our kids, especially in, you know, very, you know, in, in environments where they're very lucky, um, where they've had a lot of, you know, you know, great schooling, where they get what they want. Um, it, sometimes there's a privilege that comes out of that. And, yeah. when, you know, when kids are stripped down to it being about just these fundamental things, they start to get really grateful for, you know, the simple things. Um, and this could sort of shift the way that these kids think about um, just their own priorities and their their own luxuries. after Right. So you mentioned that that at in the evening or before bed or whatever, you, you're actually having a session called Gratitudes. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and how does that work? Well, we go around the table and we say, what are you grateful for today? Ah. It, um, the kids lift off all the things that they're grateful for. Um, often it's, you know, my food and those types of things, um, what they can see around the table and um, kind of like grace. But then they also go into things like the other day, it was just that um, we're getting to spend more time together that we got to go outside, that we have cool stuff at school that we're doing in our homeschool, um, that we baked cookies, you know, just like um, all the, the simple things. Um, and it became too, you know, people are, the, the children are starting to think externally that, you know, Lila was like, you know, grateful that people were practicing social distancing and she's six. So she hears us <laughs> talking a lot about this, but she said, because it means that maybe we'll be healthier soon or people are safe, like auntie or grandma and grandpa are okay. safer when people are doing that. So she was glad that people were starting to do those things. Um, and it's stuff that you would never have heard come out of your child's mouth maybe a month ago. Right. And so right. Uh, what has evolved is a new way of shaping uh, their narrative and their appreciation. Um, right. I love it. It creates a lot of dialogue. Yeah. So Jim, Jim Moss is in charge of the homeschooling. No. Is that right? I mean, I, I know you're participating in it, but is Jim? Uh, well, thank God. No. 
Because I would imagine him teaching Lila how to, you know, use a lacrosse stick or she probably already knows how to. You know, it's very much a partnership because we actually have our own Jen and Jim schedule that goes up. I tend to be more in charge of designing that schedule. I say it's equitable um, yes. for him. I don't make him do all the, the work, but, um, but I do make sure that there's a schedule for us and it's usually, you know, a.m., schooling p.m schooling um and you know he right now this morning he is working on hero they worked on hope this morning with their hero okay. they started to work on their activities around building cognitive hope um and understanding what that looks like yeah. really need it right now he um he made all that material available to anyone who wants it for free right now so that parents can access the tools at home and they can start working on talking about hope with their kids. Um, so that's been a big project for him is trying to make sure that parents right now are able to take some of that hero learning into their homes. Um, sure. It helps them too as well. Oh yeah. Um, so how do people get in touch? How do they link up with uh, the hero learning? Well, you can in get in touch with um, at Hero Generation on Facebook. There's a page. So if anyone wants the materials, we'll share them. And I think they are available just for download there as well. Um, and we have a few, I think we have a couple boxes of, um, you know, real paper, but I know that's not really safe right now. So we thought if people could download, then that would be ideal. But he's made basically all of these sort of parent resources um, free to anyone who wants to use them. And they're great little handy discussions uh -huh. that parents can have with kids about, you know, hope, efficacy, resilience, optimism, gratitude, empathy, mindfulness. So when we're dealing with a grief situation or extreme stress situation, those are the seven traits that really help us to, right. uh, to manage through it. So that's on Facebook and it's uh, hero generation. Mm -hmm. And that's very kind of uh, of Jim and and uh, yourself to to publicize that, because I think that's what people are also looking for is where are the tools? What what can I actually use uh, that I can get my head around or my hands around? And and that sounds like a pretty good idea. What other tools would you suggest? Well, I mean, um, right now we're doing um, some collaborations with um, some folks to try to get them more support to be able to help their people. Mm -hmm. um, but what I would strongly suggest is there's so many great, great tools from, from physical, you know, help, which is great. Like Go Noodle for Kids and, you know, the Y has an excellent program right now. The YMCA yes. has an excellent program. Um, to help with physical fitness, and then they're developing more on the mental fitness, psycho psychological fitness stuff. Um, any one of the um, Greater Good, uh, Greater Good at Berkeley puts out a lot of great tools. Um, you know, PositivePsychology.org. Uh, you can also go to um, uh, there's um, Mind. Is it Mind the Gap? Um, anyways, what I could do after this is put a whole host of um, links for where we go and I can share them and then you can post them up and um, I'd be happy to kind of curate the best um, list of places to go. Action for Happiness is really good. They okay. have both adult and, um, and youth 
sort of easy activities to follow, uh -huh. um, but there's tons of stuff. And I, I've noticed one of the best parts about this altruism thing is that so many people are putting what they would normally have a paywall, you know, on their right. site. Um, they are putting all that, their stuff and their content up for free and, uh, while this is going on. And um, I think, again, it makes people feel better to contribute, yeah. but we all need as much as we possibly can to not only, you know, cure the boredom, but also to make sure people feel like they are, you know, working together. Like that whole, yes. we're all in this together happens when we're sharing ideas and um, promoting, you know, other people's content. Sharing and caring. You know, it, it's a, it, it's become a cliche and, and, and it gets ridiculed a bit, but oh boy, is it appropriate for these days that uh, people can share because they care. And, uh, you know, I go back to my, my hero, Mr. Rogers here, right yeah. here on my sweater, I'm wearing the red cardigan on purpose. And, you know, Fred got it. He, he was all about, like, come on, let's, let's take some of these barriers down. Let's take most of the barriers down so that we can, you know, again, as a group of people, as a community, as a culture, as a society, get better. At, at sharing and and uh, of course the caring thing right it's good old friend mr rogers is, yeah is a genius uh and uh, he got it way before so many other people got it and and yeah. what i think is so special right now and i am seeing this is um is a return to that um is uh we maybe not you know in all cases but you see this in those moments, you know, in Italy where people are sitting to each other mm -hmm. across their balconies and you see this in kids writing, you know, in chalk, thank you for your yes. effort so that everyone can see it. You see that in this, you know, these children playing the violin outside of an isolated woman's home. I mean, yes. there so, we see a lot of pain. We're seeing a lot of fear. Um, but there is so much that is happening right now that should give us pause and say, maybe there's a reshaping of the sort of the feeling that we've been having. Yeah. Now, it's funny because I was like, 2020 is my year. Yeah, and it, I made this sort of joke about 2020 being my year and now what's going on. But then I wonder, you know, we've been feeling so hopeless for, for many years because of sort of people's ethical behavior. Um, uh -huh. And it's, it's been bothering us. There's a cognitive dissonance between, you know, what someone's doing and we're like, why are you doing that? It feels so wrong. My heart doesn't yeah. accept that. But maybe what this will do is create some sort of a shift in uh -huh. thinking about the world and how global we are and how connected we are. And maybe 2020 will change us in a way that makes us experience post-traumatic growth uh, as opposed to post-traumatic stress. You know, that's what I'm, I'm seeing. I'm hopeful for. Yes. And post-traumatic growth. Is that what I just heard? Yes. Yeah. It's um, people, you know, there, there's a portion of people that do experience post-traumatic stress, um, obviously. And a lot of that is because they do have, you know, anxiety. There's things that they are, you know, chemically trying to, to battle, but in general, People are extremely hopeful. Humanity is very yes. hopeful. It is how we've, uh, you know, lasted this long. It's part of our genetic uh -huh. makeup. And so I think what is very important for us to understand is um, we can't lose that. 
um, and to experience post-traumatic growth is that right now, if we can develop our psychological fitness, so work out our gratitude, work out our empathy, work out our kindness, you know, right. for Fred, if we work out these, these muscles in our brain, we don't let those atrophy and we go at it even harder. Like think of this as a marathon training right. for a marathon. Let's train our psychological fitness. Like we were training for a marathon. And then we will have such, we will have post-traumatic growth at the end of this because Love we will felt forward momentum. We have, we will have felt like we are, you know, we've, we've done something with it. We've yes. we can feel like we've accomplished something out of a really extremely challenging time, which makes us feel at the end so much more um, victorious. And so I think if we can exactly, if we can, you know, work on psychological fitness, like I said, like we're, you know, running for a marathon or training for a marathon, we will feel like, yeah, Olympians at the end of all of this. Yeah. Wow. Jennifer, it has been so uplifting to chat with you today. And I, I yeah. thank you again for all of us uh, for, for spending some time and investing. Your, like, your approach is the approach we need. I'm, I I'm building a statue. <laughs> to, 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 to Jennifer Moss. I, as soon as it snows, yeah. I'm going out there and I know what my snowman's going to look like. It's going to be my Jennifer Moss snowman. The snowman. I think that's, yeah, that's about right because it'll melt in the spring, which is appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, and thank you for volunteering you. to uh, to supply us with a list of suggested uh, links and things yeah, and uh, to, to Jim as well for opening up uh, uh, you know, the hero generation, uh, because this, this is stuff that we need. And mm -hmm. we do have to start to think yeah. and do differently. Th there is a new normal. We can't expect to go back. No. There's a lot of stuff in our rearview mirror that we yeah. don't need. Right? Just, like we're pruning, like, you know, how your brain prunes things that it doesn't use or need. We're we're pruning some of the things that we don't need anymore. And, and it only makes us more optimized. So yes. it's kind of good pruning all that other behavior and, and we'll just be, we'll be champions out of this. We'll get through there it. There we go. The hero perspective, the champion perspective. We are there. Thank you, Jennifer. And thanks to the folks that have tuned in. We'll be making this available as a recording as well. But uh, have a super day. Think differently. Do differently. Woo! We got it, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. Okay. Bye you. for now. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on AQ's Blog and Grill. Make sure to hit subscribe wherever you're listening so that you never miss an episode. And while you're at it, let us know what you think of the show and who you'd love us to grill next. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next Monday with a brand new episode of AQ's Blog and Grill. AQ's Blog and Grill.